we just come to you and we want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here again. Lord, I pray that we don't take this time for granted and that, that we would come here and we would open our hearts to what you would have to say to us, Lord. Lord, we would not shut your voice out, that we would, deny, we would not deny what you're saying, Lord, we would lose all of our pride and humble ourselves and say we, we need your advice. God, we need your guidance, we need your strength, we need your love, and we need to hear what you had to say to us. Father, I pray that you would just be with me and help me to say exactly what you would have me to say, and that's it. Lord, we're thankful that you give us rest. God, we're thankful for all the blessings that you give us, Lord, and you don't require us to carry any burden. Father, I pray that we would be able to open your word tonight and honor it and understand that it's truly what you said and that we would look at it and find grace and find love in it that you showed us. In your name we pray, amen. So we've been in this series called The Life of a Follower. And just to catch you up if this is your first or second week or whatever it is, the first week we learned about this, uh, this guy who was paralyzed and his friends brought him to Jesus through a roof because the house was so crowded. And because of his faith, he was healed. He was, he was forgiven of his sin first, and then he was healed of his paralysis. And we learned that in the life of a follower, all that's required of us is faith. And that our biggest need is our forgiveness of sins. And then we learned the next week how uh, Jesus called Levi, or Matthew, we know him as Matthew, from his tax collector's booth. And, and what... What we need to do as followers of Jesus is, is give up everything and follow him. That's what, that's what we need to do. And, and the fact that the faith and the following, is, they're not separate things. They're together. And that's what a Christian is. A Christian is not someone who just has faith and doesn't follow after Christ. A Christian is someone who puts their faith in Christ and continues to follow after them because of the change that happened in their heart. And then last week, we learned about how the life of a follower is a new life. We learn how, or we, Jesus told a story about some wineskins, and he said, you don't put new wine in old wineskins because they'll burst. So you don't put your old life and your new life together because they don't work. Your new life needs to be filled with new things. Following after Jesus requires you to leave your old life behind, and then you start living for Jesus. So tonight, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2 again. And we're going to be in the, the very last portion of it, uh, starting in verse 23. And we're just going to read and continue on what Jesus says the life of a follower looks like. So it says, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry. He went to the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. So we have Jesus and his disciples walking along the roads they had back then on a Saturday evening. 
And this was the Sabbath. Sunday is actually not the true Sabbath because it's actually the first day of the week, not the last. We think of Monday as the first day of the week, not Sunday. But anyways, that doesn't really matter. So there, it's a Saturday evening, and he and his disciples are walking along. And it just so happens that the roads back then, some of the main arteries that they would walk through were, you know, like dirt roads. But then when you broke off of those roads, what they walked through were like farmers' fields where they would have grain, and they would have like wide places at the very like edge of them that you could walk and you could get place to place. And they had this thing back then where like if you didn't bring enough food for your journey, these farmers, they knew that if they saw somebody walking through and eating their grain, they knew that it was because they didn't bring enough food. So they were just breaking off enough grain and fixing it and preparing it to eat just so that they can feel their hunger at the moment. And then they will continue on on their journey because they're just walking by grain the whole way anyway. And so the Pharisees show up once again. All four weeks we've been in this series, the Pharisees have showed up and asked a question or, you know, criticized Jesus or, or said something about him. And so they, they show up this time and they said, they said, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? First of all, they weren't breaking the law because they weren't harvesting the grain for profit. You see, in Exodus chapter 20 is when they established the Sabbath, which was truly meant to give rest. So God created the earth and everything in it in six days and rested on the seventh to show us that we needed to rest on the last day. So he made that day holy. He made it to where we were required to rest on that day because we need it. And he made that day holy so that we would, we would acknowledge him on that day and find joy and rest in him. And so... That's what the Sabbath was made for. And they said in, in Exodus that you weren't allowed to pick grain or harvest for your own profit or for gain. But it did say explicitly, it actually expi- explicitly mentioned this, that if you were walking on a Sabbath day and were hungry, you could actually get grain and eat it. And it's crazy that these two things actually match up. That they were actually picking grain, and back in the Old Testament, which is what the Pharisees knew so well in their minds, that they actually said that they could do this. And so they were preparing the the grain for themselves because they were hungry, and they were meeting their need at the moment, and they were being criticized by the Pharisees. Now, as I'm reading this, I get extremely frustrated at the Pharisees for some reason. So I'm reading this, and I'm just wondering, in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking, why do they always have something to say? Why are they always just nagging or picking out something that Jesus is doing wrong, even though he's not doing anything wrong? In fact, they were saying that it was unlawful for them to be doing this on the Sabbath, when in fact, they were in sin because they were putting their traditions and their ways on par with God's word. They were matching, they were acting as if they were equal, and they were saying this is God's command, basically, but it was just their tradition because it actually went against God's word. And so when I, I'm reading this, I think to myself how I would feel if this Pharisee is in front of me and I'm Jesus. I'm God in the flesh. And someone says something to me. Y'all know the most 
frustrating moments to be in as a Christian is to be in front of someone and talking to someone about God who has no idea who God is. I have no idea what to do in those situations. Most of the time, it's like, uh, you start going back and forth, it's like, okay, I, I can't judge this person. I, I don't honestly know that, about their relationship with Christ. I don't know 100% what their relationship with Christ looks like, and I don't know if they're saved or if they're not, but it seems as if this person doesn't know God at all, the way they're talking, the way, the way, they, the way they act outside of church, the way they talk to their friends, the way you hear them uh, joke around with their friends and just be with them and, and laugh at the things that they're laughing at. You look at their life and you see no fruits. You look at their life and, and when they talk to you about God, they say, they say certain things that throw you off. And the most frustrating thing to me is when I'm in those moments and I have no idea what to say because I don't want to enable this person to continue on living their life the way they're living, acting as if they know God and they're living for Him. But then again, I don't want to just, just you know, butt into their, to their life and say, look, man, you're not even a Christian at all. I don't know how to deal with it. And, and these Pharisees, they, they act as if they know God, but they're supposed to know Scripture the best, are they not? They're supposed to know the law the best. And the thing is, is that it actually says in the Old Testament, word for word, that they can do what they're, what they're doing. And it just reveals in this moment their head knowledge for Scripture and the law and the specific things that they're supposed to do or not supposed to do, but it also reveals their ignorance in their heart of what it actually means. It reveals the ignorance of, of them looking deep and saying, what does God actually want from me here? But instead, they look at the smaller picture, and they look for a verse here and a verse there, and they, they make this rule, and they add this to it. And instead, they make it themselves. They make it all about themselves. And that's what's funny about people who act as if they know God and follow Him and live for Him. They make it all about themselves. And it's crazy when you try to talk to those people and they have no idea. They're so filled with pride that they think going to church on a Sunday or they think that reading their Bible every once in a while or they think that going to church as a younger child and continuing on and then acting as if church is really not that big of a deal, I'll go every once in a while. They act as if they know God, but God is not the center of their life. We learned a couple of weeks ago that as a follower of Christ, Christ is your center. He's the center of your life. And you follow Him and Him only. And your faith in Him as a result of following Him has changed your heart. And when your life lacks a change of heart and instead looks like a Pharisee, I think there's something wrong. I think sometimes it's hard for people to see that about themselves but it has to be one of the most devastating things because they can't see. 
they're blind. Their pride has blind them, blinded them into thinking that they know God when they really don't due to their actions and their actions only. So we continue on. It says, And Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he, is, when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And see what happened during this time was King Saul was chasing after David to kill him. And so David and his companions were running from him and they got hungry. So what did they do? They went to the temple and they knew that there was going to be bread in there, 12 loaves of bread that, were, that stood for the 12 tribes of Israel. We just learned about that in Genesis when we went through the life of Joseph and Jacob and all his brothers. So the, the 12 pieces of bread stood for the 12 tribes of Israel. And the priest on the last day of the week, the Sabbath, would eat those loaves of bread. And so Jesus points this out, again, revealing their lack of knowledge of Scripture, of what it actually means. And he points this out, and he says that David went in there and ate the bread and also gave some to his companions. And he says that he broke the law. And when he says that, he's just saying that basically he broke the traditions that they had. But indeed, God was not offended by this because of the legitimate need of food. God was not, was not like... He didn't condemn them, and nowhere in Scripture does it, does it condemn him for going in there and doing the wrong thing, eating the bread and giving some to his friends too, because he had a need, and his need was of hunger. And God would rather him eat the food and not starve than he would for those 12 pieces of bread to sit there until Saturday. And I think we can learn something from this because basically what he's saying is that the loaves of bread were meant to satisfy the need that we have. To survive, we have to eat, right? We have to eat enough food to keep our body warm. And if our body is not at a certain temperature, it cannot function right. And so that is why we eat. We eat so that we can survive, and God made it that way. But they made it as if we were supposed to meet the need of the bread, as if the bread itself was sacred and holy and it was different. It was set apart. So they saved the bread for a certain reason. So God was saying it was meant to satisfy the need of the man, not the man to satisfy the need of the bread, the requirements of the bread. And so these Pharisees got pointed out again that there was a hole in what they were doing. There was something missing. They were missing the whole meaning. They were missing the whole point of what these things were set in place for. You see, in, later on in Jesus' ministry, he calls them out. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Their heart was not right. But they knew what to do. They knew what to say. But their heart was not right. And so we continue on and says, Then Jesus said to them, 
in continuation of what he said before, it says, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was originally made to give us rest, right? In the Old Testament, whenever we read the Old Testament, we just got through reading about the life of Joseph. And throughout the life of Joseph, there were many parallels to what? Jesus, right? Joseph was the picture of what was to come. Joseph himself was a picture of Christ and how he delivered us from sin, and Joseph delivered his family, right? And there were so many parallels, there were so many things in the life of Joseph that was a parallel to Christ. And there's all kinds of things in the Old Testament. David, whenever he was fighting against Goliath and he threw that rock, he delivered his people, just like Jesus delivered us from our sin. And there's prophecy in the Old Testament, like in Isaiah, that was talking about Jesus. The whole Old Testament was supposed to point to what was to come. The whole Old Testament was about Jesus. It was not about you meeting the requirements of the law. The law was meant to show us our need of a Savior. When David defeated Goliath, it was meant to show us that we needed a bigger and better Savior. Whenever Joseph delivered his family and, and was, able to, was able to save them from starvation, we were supposed to look at that and say, we, we, we're looking for something better. It, we have a bigger and better Savior coming than that. And when Moses did the same thing, Jesus is the bigger and better Moses. All these things point to Christ. And so then we look at the Sabbath day, and it says, Jesus said that we, the, the Sabbath was made to meet our needs, not for us to meet the requirement of the Sabbath. And when we look in Colossians, we learn about this at camp, and y'all remember that, that it says that, that things like Sabbath and, and celebrating certain holy days was only a shadow of what was to come, of realities that was yet to come. The Sabbath was a reality of something yet to come. And right below that said that, and Christ himself is that reality. And if you realize something else too, in the New Testament, we're not required to hold the Sabbath. Believers are not required to, to have the Sabbath and, and do what the people in the Old Testament were. Why? Because Jesus is the reality of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a shadow of what Jesus was going to do. The Sabbath was meant to give us rest. Jesus came, and now He is our rest. You see, the law was meant to show us our need for a Savior. And in the law was the Sabbath. And we don't have to keep that anymore because Jesus says, I am your rest. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, 
and the burden I give you is light. The Pharisees made the Sabbath a requirement. And what they did by doing that was they made it a burden. Instead of letting it meet its purpose, they twisted it and made it a requirement, which made it a burden instead of a blessing. And then Jesus comes in and says, I am the Lord over the Sabbath, making himself God in their eyes. He created the Sabbath. It was meant to point toward him. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy with burdens. The life of the follower finds their rest in Jesus Christ. They put their faith in Him and follow after Him and they start living their new life and they find their rest in Christ. Why? Because when you're guilty with sin and you feel your shame, you need to know you're forgiven. And so you go to Jesus for your rest. And you go to Jesus for rest. Why? Because the life of a righteous person takes a lot of trouble. Psalms 34. You go to Jesus for rest because your parents are not always going to be perfect. Sometimes homes can be broken. Sometimes your parents can treat you ways that you don't need to be treated. And you need to, find a pla- you need to have a place to find rest. How hard is your life? How many burdens are you carrying yourself? We're not supposed to carry our burdens ourselves. If we're followers of Christ, we can lean on God. We can give Him our burdens. We can give Him our sin. We don't have to feel ashamed. I don't know what else to say. That's all I had to say, I guess. The thing that I felt most when I believed in Christ was rest from my soul. I was carrying too much. You carry too much. We're supposed to lean on Christ with our finances, with our marriages, with school. You know what the problem was with the Pharisees? They didn't have a childlike faith. They wanted to carry the burden themselves because they thought they were men. They thought they were strong. They thought they could do it. And I think our biggest need as Christians is rest. And rest in Him. 
So I think that if you're carrying a lot of burdens, maybe you should just let them go. Maybe you should just let go of your pride and let go of all the burdens. It's hard to not have control of your life, but when you follow after Christ, He's going to take care of you. In Psalm 34, when it says that the righteous person faces many troubles, the next verse says, but God delivers them every time. feel like, I feel like, I just feel like we need to, we need to sing, and we need to let go of our burdens. I feel like if you, if you have any burdens, you just let them go. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let that happen now. Father, Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for not always giving you my burdens, Lord, and trying to carry them myself. Father, I pray for the, for the hearts in here, for the souls in here, Lord, that, that are restless. Father, I pray for the ones that are feeling shame and they feel like they're disappointing you all the time. Father, I pray that they would know they can find rest in you. Father, my biggest prayer right now, Lord, is that you would speak to their hearts and that you would give them what you came to give them, Lord, and that's rest. Lord, you came to forgive us and you came to guide us, to give us a new life, and Lord, give us rest. And I pray that we would just let that sink in our hearts.